It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast on a Tuesday. It's great to be with you on Twitter at James Erpine at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, LockedOnBengals.com is the place to be because, well, you get the written word, you get every single podcast, so really you should just bookmark that and listen to it there. If you listen to it on iTunes, I have a favor. Can you leave us a five-star review? If you do so, more fans are going to find the podcast. More fans are likely to listen to the podcast, hear it, be aware of it, because right now we are the only daily Bengals podcast out there. And if you're new to it, I'm James Erpine. I cover the Bengals for ESPN 1530 and 700 WLW in Cincinnati. And basically what we try to do is give you your daily Bengals fix each and every single weekday. And there's a lot to get to because John Ledyard is a guy who has been all over the draft for the Locked On NFL Draft podcast. I mean, just killing it. It was a must listen to. And I think I mentioned it multiple times during the uh, draft process. But he's on and was on with me today. I caught up with him just uh, a little bit ago on ESPN 1530, and we talked about a ton of stuff. Without further ado, let's get to it here. I asked John about the Bengals offseason, and I asked him how much better they got in the draft and in free agency. Yeah, I definitely think they got better. You know, the big need was can we address the offensive line as much as possible? And I think, you know, drafting Billy Price, I, I prefer Frank Ragnow. I think there's been a lot of talk that Bengals maybe, you know, could have moved up to get him. But at the end of the day, man, I just think Billy Price is still a really good player. And, you know, he's going to start there for a long time. And so you improve his spot probably at center, you know, that's needed improvement for some time. And, um, I Clint Bowling obviously still your one stud holder over on the offensive line. And then Corey, Corey, Corey Glenn's a big upgrade. You know, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, you know, he wasn't fully healthy last year, so you have to see what direction his career is trending in that regard. But, you know, before when he was healthy, this was the guy who was the top 10 left tackle in the NFL. So, I mean, I think that that's a risk worth taking there. Uh, I think Jake Fisher got better as last year went on. I don't think – I think they, they made the right call not moving on from him right away. You know, right guard, Trey Hopkins probably going to be the guy, and there's still going to be some weaknesses, maybe Christian Westerman to beat, but – I think they got better on the offensive line for sure, and that was the big need coming in. Uh, obviously, a lot's going to depend on how a guy like John Rosh takes the next step uh, this season and, and some of the other holes they have on the roster, either Joe Mixon, how does he progress in his second season. So a lot of guys to watch for if they drafted last year that didn't necessarily flash right away. But, I mean, you have a great passer. You have a deep defensive line. You're deep in edge rusher. That's huge. Uh, for them, to, a position for them to be deep at. Malik Jefferson's a good investment. The linebacking core, you know, looks as strong as it's been, stronger than it's been, certainly stronger than it was last year. So, you know, if your big needs were linebacker and offensive line, and both have been filled at this point, and both, I think, definitely got better in the offseason. And then I think adding some playmaking type ability at safety was a, was a big desire for them as well, and rightfully so. And I think. You know, Jesse Bates gives you that type of player. So yeah, I think it was a great offseason for Cincinnati. It always comes down to coaching with them. Um, but I think in terms of talent, this is clearly it. This is clearly one of the top six teams in the AFC. John Ledyard, NDT scouting with us, talking Bengals, talking draft. Overall, is there a pick, whether it's a value pick or just a player, 
that the Bengals added in the draft that stands out that might be your favorite? Well, I think Bates in the second round is going to end up being a really good pick for them. You know, not only was it, there's just not a lot of single high type safeties in this draft. And, you know, I know the Bengals in the past have played traditionally a lot of, you know, cover two type of defense. But I think that Terrell Austin, if you look at what he did in, in Detroit, I mean, there was definitely a good, a good bit more single high work for a safety. You know, Glover Quinn did a lot of that dirty work for them on the back end. Uh, so I think that you could see some level of a transition and maybe, my local plays more in the slot, or maybe on the line of scrimmage, something like that. I'm sure they'll still play a bunch of two high shells, but uh, I would bet that a guy like Jesse Bates will eventually get some run and quickly supplant Sean Williams as the other safety. Uh, and maybe our local's role changes a little bit, and you see Bates playing some single high, and I think that that frees them up to be able to play a little more modern. You know, I think that at times they had really good uh, players to, to defend the run. But they were playing too high so often, I think it made things a little bit tougher in that regard for them in terms of not having as many guys around the box. So he, he allows them to have some flexibility that I'm not sure they had as much in the past just because, you know, as good as Iloka has been a solid player there. And Williams, these guys are your true single high rangey type of, uh, of safeties. And while Bates struggled sometimes around the box just because he isn't a great tackler, he does have legit ball skills and good processing on the back end, so I think teams really liked him. And I know there were some teams that thought about him in the first round, and he ends up sliding down. You know, some of the safeties in this class slid, slid in general, but I think that they ended up getting a steal on him. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. John Ledyard is the host of the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, and he's on with us now. John, I look at this this draft, and, and one of the, the things that stood out here locally was Sam Hubbard. Uh, they went with one Ohio State player in Billy Price, and then they get another one in round three in Sam Hubbard. He went to Moeller High School, a local school here in Cincinnati, and obviously had a lot of success there, and then at Ohio State, what do you think about him as a prospect and, and how he could translate early on in 2018? Well, he's totally the opposite of what you think. You know, if you just read his backstory and the fact that he was a safety in high school and was a five-star recruit as a safety and you know, came to Ohio State you know, and had to switch positions and had to develop at defensive end and declared as an underclassman, you know, you wouldn't think this is a guy that's super pro-ready, but he's exactly that. He's very pro-ready, very little upside, you know, just not, you know, he tested okay at the combine. Then he ran the, the 40 at his pro day, and it was in the four nines. And yeah, he's not fast at all. Um, he's a guy that does his best work as an inside pass rusher, but very developed with his hands. I think he was the best run defending edge edge in the class. You know, I mean, he just he never lost a battle one v one of the trenches. You know, big guy. He was what bulked up to 270. I would say he can even cut down uh, from that weight. I don't think he even needs to be as heavy as he is. And it's all good weight. You know, he just looks like a bodybuilder. But I think that you know, he needs to trim some of that off. And I think at that point he can be a little bit more explosive. It's never going to be his calling card, but maybe he can add a little bit of athleticism by being a bit lighter. But I think he features in right away as you know, a guy who does some of the things that Chris Smith did last year, but in more of a complete sense. You know, so how Chris Smith was kind of that inside pass rusher, and they would use him in those certain packages that they run on long and late downs. I think Hubbard will be that inside pass rusher right away. You put him next to Geno Atkins with Dunlap and 
uh, and Carl Lawson on the edge. You know, I think that's the combination that you're looking to get after the quarterback. Obviously, Michael Johnson can do some of that too, but aging and getting near the end for Johnson, probably Hubbard is you know, a guy that I think will rotate in right away. And the, really, the key is for Cincinnati bodies. Just get bodies that can get after the quarterback. You know, you, we haven't even mentioned Jordan Willis and kind of a disappointing rookie season, but, you know, there's a hope that he can, you know, bounce back and have a stronger second season. And, you know, Chris Baker's there and another veteran guy, Billings, is, is a run stuffer. You know, he and Baker will play very limited amounts, but it'll be important downs that they play early on. Then you've got your later guys that kind of jump in, like Hubbard and, and Michael Johnson, that are going to, uh, play a little bit more as inside rushers, I would bet, and you rotate Dunlap and Willis and, and uh, Carl Lawson on the outside, and that's kind of how I see them running it. You know, where Andrew Brown fixes in at all that, I'm not quite sure. You know, I think there's ideally the guy you'd love to practice squad. Can they get away with that with a fifth-round pick? I think they probably could. Um, that's kind of the ideal role for him because right now the roster stays as it is. It's going to be hard for him to find playing time. John, as far as – and you mentioned Carl Lawson, and I think that that was – Obviously, their best value pick a year ago. He had the most success mm-hmm. uh, as a rookie, and he addressed probably their biggest need, which was edge rusher. Marvin Lewis mentioned maybe playing him at linebacker a little bit more, and uh, he didn't really elaborate on that too much. But the, the idea of that, does that make sense uh, to you at all? No, it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't understand <laughs> it at all. And, you know, I think that they said it last year, too, though. Remember, I mean, before last year, they started the same thing. They were like, we may play him, you know, he may be a true Sam, you know, he may play off the ball some, and then it's like, what, why? I mean, it didn't, it's not much the faster. It didn't make any sense, because if there was one that way Lawson was kind of coming out, it was that in space, I did not think, I thought he was a little bit stiff, and um, that would be his, basically his role uh, as an outside runner, if you're dropping or something like that, you know, playing a lot of zone coverage underneath, so... Yeah, I mean, clearly the guy's best skill is with his hand in the dirt getting after the quarterback. That first step and speed counter moves um, are kind of his bread and butter, his hand usage. You know, he's not a super bendy rusher, but he can win regardless because he's so nuanced in his attack. So taking him away from what he does best is really just debilitating to the best of the rest of the team. I mean, I know Carlos Dunlap has a lot of respect in Cincinnati circles, and rightfully so. He's a really good, a really solid player for them, but Carl Lawson's the best pass rusher on this team outside of Geno Atkins. And so I think that taking him away from that role, um, whether it's playing him in another position or not playing him enough, which was one of their big issues last season, is really just silly at this point. You know, you need guys that can get after the quarterback in this league. Lawson shows a rookie even in a limited role, a role that was limited to the end of the season for inexplicable reasons, that um, he was a guy that could do that at a high level. So, you know, I think taking him away from that is just really foolish. After all of the moves the Bengals have made this offseason, they obviously you mentioned Cordy Glenn, Billy Price. Clearly, they're the favorites in the AFC North, right? <laughs> I wouldn't actually laugh at that. You know, I know you. Oh come on! Shoot that down. <laughs> but I mean, here's the thing with Cincinnati. Like, and, and this is even goes back to the matchup with them in Pittsburgh, and we've talked about this before. I know is that Pittsburgh really doesn't play that well against Cincinnati typically. Cincinnati just plays worse, so it's usually both teams kind of struggling and you know, counter-punching for a little bit, but Cincinnati always seems to be the one that makes the mistake that shoots themselves in the foot, you know, reverse that fortune at any point, you know, and I think that it's 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 kind of like you look at Pittsburgh and Washington last night in, in hockey in the NHL, you know, the, the Capitals could never get past Penguins, and eventually the Penguins just ran out of steam, you know, they have, they have more talent, I still think they're a better team than the Capitals were last night, but the Capitals finally got over that hump, because the Pens just kind of ran out of steam, didn't take advantage of the mistakes that the Capitals made, uh, and said made more themselves. So eventually it's going to come, and when the Bengals have been the Steelers over the years, 
it's been that way. It's been, you know, the Steelers made the mistake. Remember the Ben Roethlisberger interceptions? I think it was the last time Cincinnati beat them. You know, it's been the, the just kind of capitalizing on those things. The Steelers do that. The Bengals just make more of them when they play. So, you know, it's going to be. A, I think it's going to be a great battle this season because the Steelers' schedule is really brutal. You know, we went in the division last year and having to face the top teams in the division, obviously, and then you know, everybody's in, in the AFC and North has a tough uh, out of a conference schedule as well. So I think that there's going to be big battles for everybody. But the Steelers, you know, having to play all those number ones, you know, that really gets magnified as well. So you know. I think that you're going to see a really competitive battle this season. It's obviously it's going to come down to coaching and Andy Dalton in Cincinnati. So I mean, <laughs> talent wise, they can compete with Pittsburgh. Uh, it's going to come down to coaching and how Dalton ends up playing. Can he put a full game together against Pittsburgh? That's what's going to be the key. Look at you making fans in Cincinnati. He's uh, he's John Ledyard. <laughs> he's on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft. Covers the Steelers for Scout.com. Host of Locked On. NFL Draft Podcast also works for NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports. So let's talk about the rest of the AFC North while I got you. And, and let's talk mm-hmm. about Pittsburgh because they take Mason Rudolph. I think he was at least in play at 77 or 78 uh, when, when the Bengals were on the clock. And instead, the Steelers trade up. They get him at pick 76. Doesn't sound like Big Ben was a fan of the pick, were you? Uh, no, I wasn't, but, uh, you know, for many reasons. Uh, statistically speaking, you know, taking a guy who you want to be your franchise quarterback uh, someday, if you're taking that shot outside of really the top 40 picks in the draft, your chances are slim to none in terms of developing that guy. I mean, even if you look since 2000, guys have turned into that role, you know, for a team have turned into that type of a player. Tom Brady and Russell Wilson and, you know, maybe Kirk Cousins, uh, you could include in that and, We'll see what happens with Dak Prescott. A good year and then a bad year last year, and this is kind of a big year to see what direction he's headed in. But that's a pretty small percentage out of all the quarterbacks drafted in that time to really have you know two, maybe three franchise guys right now. So, you know, I think that it's it's just risky. You know, it's really risky. It's more than likely a waste of a pick. Um, you know, and I don't think Rudolph has the outlier type traits to develop into that kind of a player, you know, on the level of those guys. And really, you know, can Rudolph eventually be a starter for this team and, you know, go eight and eight and, you know, be okay. And, you know, if they have a great cast around them still, I mean, sure. Uh, but that's not what you're drafting a quarterback to a franchise quarterback to be able to do. So, you know, to me, it's a, it's a pick that they could have used on another player, on a better player, uh, someone that can help them right now, win right now. And they didn't do that. So do I think Ben Roethlisberger is correct in what he says? Yes, I think he's correct. Should he have vocalized it to the media? No, probably not the smart idea. You know, that's Ben. He likes the drama aspect of it. No doubt about that. You know, but the, you know, the people are, people are blowing up his retirement thing, storyline a little bit too much. You know, Ben clearly said after the season that he wanted to play three more years. Yes, he mulled over retirement two years ago, but you know, I don't think that he should be not allowed to do that. It's not like this guy's throwing around retirement left and right just because everybody brings it up. You know, he's only mentioned it that one time. Um, and so I think that, uh, you know, that's that's probably the the big narrative that's gone askew in this whole thing with Roethlisberger. But I mean, yeah, is Roethlisberger you know kind of a tool bag at times? There's no no doubt about it. That's really never changed with him. So you know, I think that's kind of how he's being in this situation. John, let, let's look at the the other two teams in the AFC North and the Ravens. They added a quarterback as well. They traded up. They got Lamar Jackson. What did you think of that pick and them trading up to get probably the most debated? Uh, and looked at an electrifying player in the NFL draft, and then the rest of what they've done this offseason as well. Well, I mean, the Lamar pick is going to make everything look better if he pans out there. I think that's obvious. You know, I mean, I think Hayden Hurst was taken about three rounds too early. At least they traded back twice before they did it. 
Um, they added a ton of players in this class. Um, so I think that how it all pans out, I would I would think that you know you're going to get a capable starter out of Hurst and why you came back in the third round and took another tight end of Mark Andrews, I have no idea. But you know, they did some curious things. But like I don't, Andrews and Hurst are guys that can start and play for you. Orlando Brown's probably the right tackle on this team. You know he can play. Uh, it's just a matter of you know determining ceiling and stuff like that. You know I don't think you're getting anything special with any of those guys. You know I don't think they really even have that potential. So again, you added capable football players to a team that really needed a kick. You know they really needed a star power type pass catcher or a big impact type player, even a guy with upside, even if it doesn't pan out. Um, they haven't developed receivers very well. That probably scared them off, and they decided to go for some more finished products with a little lower ceilings than Andrews and Hurst. You know, not really adding much receiver talent until a big reach for Jaleel Scott in the fourth round. I, I thought Jaleel Scott would be, you know, sixth, seventh round, the best type flyer. You know, to take him in the fourth round, you know, he's the type of receiver that typically turned out very poorly in Baltimore. You know, very raw with, with some decent talent. He didn't even run that well, though, so I, I question those movement skills as well. So I still don't figure out, think they figured out how to draft receivers, and it's really just destroying them. And it'll matter a lot less with Lamar Jackson, though. You know, the, the sooner he gets the reins, on that offense, the better because Jackson's the kind of guy that can really kind of make everybody better around him. And I don't even mean production-wise; I just mean he's going to put the team in position to do things offensively that Flacco just can't. You know, if Flacco's weapons aren't carrying him. You know, he uh, he really doesn't offer very much at all. So I just think it's only they may be comfortable with Flacco, but it's only going to be a matter of time until the more exciting option in Jackson steps in. Is he high variance? Sure. Like Jackson's never going to be the most consistent player in the NFL, but. You know, I said this pre-draft. I think he was the only quarterback out of the top guys you know, that really had the propensity. He could make a mistake early in the play and still achieve a positive result from the play. And I think that that's a pretty rare trait with quarterbacks. And I think he possesses that. So that'll be the draft. You know, whether he pans out or not, and how good he becomes, will really end up determining how good this draft was. It was uh, Baker Mayfield. He goes first overall. The Browns go after a guy that I've seen some think he's the best quarterback uh, in this draft class. Others who prefer Sam Darnold. Others who prefer Josh Rosen. Where do you fall in that range, and what did you think about the Browns going with Baker? Rosen was my QB1. Baker was my QB2. First round grades on both of those guys. and I thought they were both terrific prospects and I think Baker's going to be awesome in King Cleveland. You know, I think Cleveland really is taking great steps to turn it around. I think the roster's loaded with talent. I mean, they have playoff caliber talent on their roster. I don't think they'll get there because the culture change will take some time and the coaching staff is still a huge question mark. But, you know, that's the big thing to me is that, you know, this draft helped them take big steps in the right direction. And, you know, Mayfield to me is a guy that they saw, I believe they saw Mayfield as the culture changer guy. You know, the guy that was going to come in, wasn't going to take no for an answer, wasn't going to tolerate losing, was going to work his tail off until he got turned, this team turned the corner, and he's going to put the team on his back to do it. You know, wasn't going to be a guy that had to be reliant on anyone else, but was going to be that transformative type piece for the culture of Cleveland. And if he does it, he'll be an absolute god at Cleveland. I mean, there's no question about that. Because not only does he have that type of talent, he has that type of personality where guys just follow him. And I think teams were really attracted to that. I think that's why most of the teams in the top five and, and even probably top ten and that that type of range, a lot of teams really like Baker. We've heard New England liked him. You know, I think teams really like Baker as much if not more than every other quarterback in the class. I think teams bought in on that that leadership aspect of his personality. You know, So I love the pick in terms of the ma- matching the fit with a city who needs somebody like that, who's not afraid to shake things up, uh, who's going to restore that competitive edge. 
that feels like it's been lost there in a you know one and thirty one type culture. Uh, so I yeah, I think that you know, Rosen is better, but I don't think there's much downside to Baker on the field. So I don't think it's a very risky pick. I think the payoff could be absolutely huge. He's John Ledyard. Make sure you check out his work at FanRag Sports, NDT Scouting, and the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. John, as always, man, I appreciate the time. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Absolutely, buddy. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Good stuff there from John Ledyard. Really, really entertaining stuff in my mind. I like that stuff, though. I like that stuff. I think it's going to be very interesting if we're looking at Baker Mayfield and Lamar Jackson taking the reins soon. Look, Cleveland, they haven't had a quarterback in a long time. Baltimore transitioning or attempting to transition from a Super Bowl quarterback. The Bengals doubling down. I mentioned it yesterday. They're building around Andy Dalton. Pressure's on, in my eyes. And uh, if you missed yesterday's podcast, I explained why the, the pressure is on and should be on Andy Dalton after what the Bengals have done this offseason. This was a lot of fun. It was fun talking to John. It's fun talking to you on a daily basis. Please, 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 five-star reviews on iTunes. <laughs> Make sure you check out LockedOnBengals.com. Subscribe also on Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. You can find the Locked on Bengals podcast. And also, by the way, every podcast, LockedOnBengals.com. Tweet us at James Erpine. At Locked On Bengals, and until next time, thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.